Sweat Equity Podcast and Streaming Show, the number one comedy business podcast in the world. Pragmatic entrepreneurial advice with a real raw dog talk. Uh, no Eric today on this episode. He's out on vacation, uh, possibly getting a sex change. Who knows? But I definitely dicked this up because I recorded this uh, days ago and went to go do a stand-up set and forgot to do this intro, put it all together. I also didn't know with Zoom interviews, it's best to do it on local recording to save your hard drive. I did it to the cloud. So if you're watching this video, if you're watching this intro, I look insane. I look like John McAfee. So uh, I decided to get a little silly uh, before I get this episode out this week. Listen to us on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, your mom's Walkman, Google, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, all the things you listen to podcasts on. This episode sponsored by Squarespace, your all-in-one website builder for your brand, your e-commerce, your, your, your personal website or your business website. It's scalable. You get the hookup with the link in the description. Holler if you hear me, it hooks this show up. Speaking of which, another sponsor, Call Rail. Get some call number, get some call swap numbers on your website to track all your leads coming in when people call you. And it also records them too, so you can get some quality assurance out of your team. Call tracking by Call Rail. Uh, again, promo uh, link is in the description. Bigly Sales is another sponsor, CRM plus your marketing outreach, email, SMS, phone marketing, and now integrates with Zapier, which that means 5,000 apps integrate. It's pay as you go. It's the cheapest out there. You're not gonna find any more cost-effective kind of CRM plus marketing outreach app in the business. And lastly, LinkedIn Premium. Try two months free. You wanna stock those people on LinkedIn. Uh, you wanna get that little LinkedIn uh, like orangey logo next to your name so people know you're a stalker. But really, the data on LinkedIn is probably the best there is out there if you have active people as targets. Link is in the description to get the hookup on two months free, baby. Two free months, LinkedIn Premium. And of course, if you want to be our BFFs, subscribe to the pod, rate the show five stars, and write a short review. Share the show with a friend, a loved one, maybe someone you don't even like. Do it that way. Let's get it going. Howdy. What's up, Law? How are you? Brendan, how are you doing? Good, brother. How are you? We're, we're just going, man. Yeah, uh, we had a scheduling snafu, not in our normal studio. Uh, Mr. Eric Redinger is on vacation on the other side of Florida, the Space Coast. So just uh, he may try to join if he can, but I don't trust Beach House Wi-Fi. <laughs> oh goodness. yeah uh, i don't know about you but any beach house lake house lodge wi-fi it's always two decades behind yeah, um, i'll change with starlink soon but not not yet though Ooh, i like that um <clears throat> so yeah it's just uh we just keep it uh like a fun convo some business i'll uh try to add some some uh blue humor as per normal for our audience out there listening, can you uh, hook up people, where to find you, social, 
what's your call to actions, sir? For sure, for sure, Law. So it's two. So one is the YouTube channel, which is just Master Talk. And the second one is to attend one of our free communication workshops. And that's rockstarcommunicator.com. So I, um, I was on your YouTube today listening to a video as I'm trying to do a little prep before we get on these uh, episodes. Sure. Well, we like to come at it from the mouth of babes, right? Like we want to speak for the audience that may not be super business savvy or, or very, um, or drilled down in a certain area. That's our lazy way of justifying not pre- preparing. Um, you seem all prep, but before I get into that, I want to ask you a question we ask everybody who comes on the podcast first time as a first time guest. Um, well, there's two actually. Did you listen to the podcast? I didn't, unfortunately. Okay, good. See, we're both we're both uh, improv. We're both on the fly. You, you've done so much stuff already. It's not a big deal for you to have to listen. Uh, the other part is, this is the real question. Um, what advice would you give your 13-year-old self? 13-year-old self? I yeah. would say be insane or be the same would be the advice. You know, if you try and be like everybody else, you're going to get the same results as everybody else. So you need to be a little crazy to be successful. Be insane or be sane? Is that what be, it was? No, be insane or be the same. Oh, oh, be insane or be the same. So yeah. where did you grow up? What made you kind of come up with that philosophy? Yeah, I actually came it up. I came up with it in the basement because I realized it rhymed and I got really excited, so I wrote it down. But the but the backstory around Master Talk, which is more of my my field of expertise, was I never wanted to be an entrepreneur. Law that was never the the goal with me. I wanted to be an accountant. Funny enough, I have a bachelor's degree in accounting, but then I, I got into these things called case competitions. Think professional sports for nerds. Other guys were playing basketball. I was doing presentations competitively. Learned how to speak then realized no one was sharing that stuff for free. So I started making videos. Then I turned to a coaching business later. Did you, did you grow up in this country? What part of the country? I'm based or? in Montreal. Based Montreal. in Montreal. Okay. Yes, I'm yeah. Canadian, but my parents are from Sri Lanka. They were born, they immigrated from Sri Lanka to Canada in like the early nineties. Interesting. Yeah. I, do you think Montreal as it is bilingual um, and then growing up with parents from, you know, Sri Lanka, uh, you might be trilingual, but uh, They're correct, do, you think, yeah. do you think that kind of assisted in getting you to hear in an indirect way? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it makes me more relatable because I struggle with communication most of my life. But to your point, that since you know, since you know Montreal well, is you're right. So I didn't know French, so I had to learn it. So I went to French school, which means law. I had to present in a language I didn't even know. Right. So, so I struggled a lot with speaking growing up. Huh. Yeah. No, I've only been to Montreal once. Um, <laughs> hey, w- once is more than most people. So there on you go. A, on a bachelor party that felt like five weeks. Uh, <laughs> I don't even know what that means. It felt like five weeks. Was it like super intense? You mean? It was five days. It felt like five weeks. It was, it took a hurting on me uh, in my early twenties. It was, uh, I saw things that I'll, I'll leave off this show. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> for sure. Pretty transparent on the show, but to not make you cringe, I'll, 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 I'll save it a bit, but, um, you have interesting strip clubs, which <laughs> coming from Tampa, that's a, that's, wild, the highest, that's the highest compliment. Cause we're strip club city. Um, <laughs> sure. yeah. When you can impress someone from Tampa, a whole group of guys from Tampa at a strip club, it's, it's pretty fascinating. And, um, you know, what's not a good look is like 20, 
20 bro dude guys in their 20s walking around Montreal. We everyone's like in our group was like, why are all these French Canadians like so snooty to us? I'm like, we're literally like 20 bros that look like we stayed too long in a fraternity in college. <laughs> we're literally throwing a football to each other as we're walking around town. Oh, literally. Group. Like just like as we're walking to wherever throwing a football. I'm like, we couldn't look more like assholes, you know. So um i loved it though i i was able to kind of sneak away and go do some different stuff over there but communication is i to me is very underrated um we have more methods than ever to communicate and i think we're atrophying as a whole i feel like um i feel like people i value it big time with the work i do running a uh advisory meets a marketing agency and also doing fractional CMO work. I feel like that is my uh, big value add because big, part of it is because I've done standup since 2007. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so I used to keep those worlds kind of separate. And then part of the communication where it really hit was I would tell people, you know, in discovery meetings, Hey, if I use some weird metaphors, if I kind of, I'll weave in between professional and kind of casual in the same sentence or, you know, thought. Uh, that's that's kind of how I roll at a lot of the time. But the big, what that did was open up the conversation a lot. Do you find there's any ways you're communicating where you're, you're in a situation where you have to kind of preface something so that it kind of relaxes the person you're talking to or the people as an audience? Do you have any tips like that or anything? Yeah, for sure, for sure. Like, how do you how do you make people feel at ease? And I think a lot of it doesn't really have to do with the words that you say, though. Though, though those are important, but it's really the energy that you bring that conversation. Like, if you come in guns blazing, like, "Yo, what's up?" Like, then it's like, "Oh shit!" Like this. So someone is really introverted will get really worried and might start to cry. But <laughs> if you come in like just matching their energy, they feel a lot more comfortable around you. That's called mirroring, right? You got it. Yeah. In the sales world, I guess. Yeah. And if you come in with Jack Lemon from uh, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross energy, because you in real life, you need this sale or you need this client right. or whatever, um, you know, that comes off it, a lot of, a lot of just me, just talking meetings, communication. A lot of it is like dating. If you come into eager or sometimes just I'm, I'm very earnest in the things I'm into. And sometimes I think people think that is, that comes off as like eager and like, uh, I don't know, it gives a cringy kind of factor. And I'm like, no, I'm just, I, whatever I like, I'm into and I, I'll get into it. Um, but I feel like a lot of meetings, client business wise can feel like dating in a lot of ways. Mm. Is that fair? Oh, I think, I think there's a lot of analogies for sure. Um, and you want to get that second date. That's all. That's all you're gunning for. Usually, <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm so with you. I was watch. I had to watch your how to present like Kevin Hart video uh, as I was going through, and I was like, "Well, I got to watch that one." And it's about um, being actionable while communicating. Can you kind of elaborate on that? Yeah, bit? for sure. You know, it's funny about your style. I didn't even realize the podcast started. <laughs> Oh, you didn't hear me at the beginning? Yeah, yeah we just, I do. we're live on tape, man. We try to keep it. it. We try to keep it as efficient for guests and us as possible. Yeah, it's great. I love it. Oh, <laughs> I yeah, just but- realized that nine minutes. So, so yeah, for for <laughs> Kevin Hartlaw, 
you know what I what I realized was look, first of all, I have a lot of respect for stand-up comedians because it's really difficult to do that work, get people to laugh, get people to react to you, but the only thing you got is a mic. So what what Kevin has done really well is that he's mastered different areas of communication throughout his life. He's like done audiobooks, he's done podcasting, he's done it as a guest. He's led conversations, he's done stand comedy, he's acted in movies. So because of that, he has a really versatile skill set around speaking. And that's what he uses whenever he he uses, uh, whenever he speaks in general. And that's really helped his arsenal a lot. Yeah. You know, um, one thing he mentioned in the video was he has, he didn't say it this way, but he kind of has undeniable presence and positive energy, right? Mm. The guy works. He has a work ethic that it, it, you can feel. You can sponge it up almost. It's contagious in a good way, right? You know, and I feel like he's presenting him. That's who he is when he's you know when he's activated, for lack of a better term. Um, now on stage, he does a lot of act outs, a lot of performing with jokes and stuff. So that for sure. But you mentioned the other aspects where he's communicating and it is that thing of like, how about this? I, it made me think of Tom Cruise, right? And every story you hear about him, he, everybody says the same thing. He makes you feel like you're the only person in the world, right? He makes you feel like you're the celebrity when you meet him because he's so engaged in the, in the conversation. Now, I don't know if that's a Scientology, L. Ron Hubbard kind of <laughs> thing. Um, but the guy, the guy is very uh, engaging, and I don't know if that's something where it's deliberate or he's just that way, or he—I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, de- definitely. Tom, Tom has done some, some is great at building relationships with people. I remember one interview in particular he had with a guy named Kevin McCarthy, who's really, really good at asking really thoughtful questions. And just the way that Tom Cruise interacted with him, it really mel- felt it really felt that Kevin thought he was a celebrity himself. And I think there's a lot we can learn. I'm not sure so much on the Scientology. I know he's a part of that that religion, but I'm not sure how much that that has affected his his career though, and and also why he's still in it. That's another, I guess, mystery. It's in our backyard. We're in Tampa. It's in our backyard over in Clearwater, across the bay. So I feel like uh, if if I'm circling around Scientology, I'll have to bring it up for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I find it fascinating. Plus, um, there's areas of town over here where they, they hand out personality tests, like a flyer, and you're like, it's kind of insulting. Mm. Like, here, take a personality test. We'll, we'll tell you if you've got a good personality or not. I was like, I was having a fine day before you gave me this flyer. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think I had something wrong, but apparently you saw me and went, that guy. Um, so... What, when you get executives, when you get a, someone that's interested in their, your services and they're uh, – back it up for a second. The one thing I tell everybody who has a fear of public speaking, because you get asked a lot. It, uh, Jerry Seinfeld has a quote about more people would rather be in the box than give the eulogy because it's the number one fear is public speaking, which is wild. Um, and – when I've ever been asked, like, how do you get good or how do you reduce that kind of anxiety or fear? Um, I say take improv classes. And if my company grows a little bit bigger where we actually have more full-time people, I, I want that to be part of the, the onboarding is you have to do an improv class. Mm. Here's why. Because how many situations, the setting you walk into to give a presentation, a speech, 
It's never perfect. They'll give you like a lav mic in your hand, you know, like, oh, sorry, the microphone's broken. And you're like, okay, I'll just yell. You know, I'll just project. Or like something's messed up. I can't tell you how many gigs I've done where I've walked in and they're like, oh, this is, uh, this is for a charity where it's $500 a plate and people are going to be eating while you're doing stand-up behind a pulpit. And you're like, this is the worst scenario. I can see everybody eating, right? And they don't know stand-up comedy is happening. So like, I've walked into those gigs and you got to figure out how to turn them around, right? And now I'm a little pessimistic when I go to a non-comedy club show where I'm like, something's not going to be correct on the stage. We don't need much. I need a mic. I need lights, a tiny stage, maybe a stool. That's about it. We're pretty, but somehow that's a bridge too far for a lot of people. When I go into business meetings sometimes where, where I used to have to give like real important, you know, we're trying to get a partnership with this company for our company. You know, this is a big deal. We need you to present. And it's like, I'm going to walk in, clicker's not going to work. TV won't work. Something won't work. And I always kind of default to that in a lot of ways and go, all right, what's the lowest common denominator? Can I give this uh, PowerPoint without, without having to use the PowerPoint, really? And so it's like a little bit prep, but also learning those improv. This is a, the most leading question I've ever asked. <laughs> I didn't mean to give this like a five-minute like intro, but... What do you feel when, when people are trying to, they're very introverted, they're, they're terrified, where do you start? No, I, I feel you actually had a lot of great points there, Law, especially with your story around improv. You actually explained, explained it better than me in a lot of ways, where sometimes when you go into boardrooms or different settings, and I love your tie-in with stand-up, where you just don't know what's going to happen sometimes. You cannot just prepare for the best case scenario. It's a losing strategy. Because if you go into a presentation and one thing, just one small thing is off, your whole game gets thrown off. It's just my version of taking improv classes because that might be a stretch for somebody who's a little bit more introverted. It's not a bad thing. I've done improv too. I think it's a great way to get people to speak more effectively. It's to do a smaller version of that, which is the random word exercise, which you could literally do at your home right now as you're listening to this, where you take a word like tissue box or plate or towel, and you create a 60-second presentation out of thin air on the word. So let's say you pick towel, you just give a 60-second presentation on towel, and that allows you to practice improv in a way that's comfortable, but that also makes you do the harder thing. And that's also the solution that I brought that you explained really well too. Rich, for me, it's not about you know jumping up and down and deep breathing to get over a fear. It's just do the harder thing so that everything in the boardroom becomes a joke. Yeah, and it has it, what, it, what improv taught me, because I did it when I was 24 and I did it to get better at stand-up, honestly, because I would get nervous. Like I just didn't have a, um, a wealth of experience as an adult yet, right? And part of, I w- wanted a host to work my way up because hosting is kind of the best thing you can do. If anybody's listening, you don't have to do this in a stand-up setting. You can MC a lot of professional functions and that's a very similar one-to-one because you have to come in. You have to, in Canada actually the MC is like the headliner because they're they're the main attraction uh, for stand up shows, I guess. But my point being is like I did so many hosting gigs because I knew it would get me better, and I did improv to get me better at hosting because I need to re- like uh, a glass breaks, right? You got to be right on top of that. You don't go, oh, 
You have to be like, you know, sorry, Cosby got got the waitress or something like that. You have to like be on top of it and just have something, right? And part of improv is they tell you to, it's the opposite of standard. They tell you to blank out, right? You can prep a lot before you do, before you do improv, but really you need to have a blank mind and that's where you start from. And it actually, it sounds counterintuitive, but it helps. And I use that for any business presentation too. I go, okay, I know, I, I know enough about it. I know the beats. I'm not, I don't know it verbatim, but I can get to it. This has a climax. It has a storytelling aspect to it. Act one, A, B, C, whatever you want to call it. Um, and then, but when I come into it, you take a breath and go, something's going to be fucked up when I walk in this room. So, like, um, and I go, I'll also say, I'll also think here's a lesson I learned was no one gives a shit about whatever you're doing as much as you do. So it, that's a very crass way to say it. Um, but it's true. It's like, no one's, no one's thinking about the setting for your presentation and no one's thinking about how nervous you should be. Uh, they're worried about their own shit for the most part. Um, how can, you know, can you tell me kind of some, some success stories of people coming in uh, and how you got them to be the top 1% communicators in their industry? Yeah, for sure, Law. And and to your point, you know, to defend your, your argument there, I don't think that's crass. I think it's uplifting, right? Because if, if, people, if people don't give a shit as much as you do about the thing, that's also a good thing because it creates a lot less anxiety and a lot less stress in the presentations that you're delivering. Well, as my, my dad would say, I have a bad vocabulary because I cuss and it's, it's immature, as he would say. So, <laughs> immature. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He uses mature and immature. And I'm like, I'm not going to correct him on that. Um, I guess you could say it that way. He was a lawyer for 30 years. So he finds uh, very, he's very careful with his words and he doesn't speak a lot. So it's kind of like, I'm the opposite. Like he's frightened to get on stage. Uh, and like, it's no big deal at this point for me. Um, but yeah, I, can you tell some, some success stories of how people come into master talks or work with you? Yeah, for sure. Law. So, so for me, I think the one that, that, that creates a lot of magic for me personally is, is the tech, the tech CEO who's really introvert. Like one of my clients, she's the CEO of a tech company where she creates like nail polish but it's a glass that you put on your fingernails. So women don't have to change their nail polish. They just go on an app and change the colors automatically, which is really cool. So they don't have to switch colors all the time. And oh. her product works well. Like she's, just, she's still testing it out, but it, it's going to be functional. But the challenge is she doesn't want to speak on a stage. She doesn't want to ask her, answer questions on a panel. And I told her, I said, hey, look, you, you have great tech, but if you want to be a successful entrepreneur, you need to learn how to get on a stage. You got to be the CEO of the business. You got to know how to lead people. So yes, did I get rid of her ums and ahs? Yes. Did I help her with her vocal tone projection? Yes. Did I help her use her eye contact effectively to answer tough questions? Absolutely. But I think the most important thing, Law, was changing her identity from being a researcher with a PhD in organic chemistry to being the CEO of this business and actually driving it home so she could raise a lot of money for her startup, which she did, thankfully, for all of us. So that was really the, the success story I'm really proud of. That's, that's a great story. And that's one of those things. Um, this is where I feel like communication is underrated because if you're an introverted kind of uh, founder, CEO kind of thing, and you kind of have to be on a lot. And 
I call it kind of internal branding where you're doing, you're getting your message to your, your employees, the people you're work, that are working for you. You don't have to motivate them, but you definitely have to have servant leadership in a way, but you definitely have to communicate what's going on. Because like I've worked with over a thousand companies at this point, small businesses at this point, or startups, small businesses, medium businesses. And the big thing a lot, of, a lot of leadership lacks is kind of proactively communicating what's going on. Um, here's, here's what we did. Here's where we are. Here's what we want to do. Right. And I've sometimes been like, you could do a 10 minute podcast every week to let all the employees know just overall what's going on. So we're not, cause that creates an anxiety. A lot of people at the office would have, they'd be like, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what we're doing, you know? And that's a simple fix to me, but like you have to be internal, internally branding and kind of leader, be a leader for your people. You got to go out and find funding a lot of the times. That means you, you got to be able to military like callback to, uh, to explain any question, right? Not be nervous. I, and it's, I think the biggest thing is, is reps. They just need reps a lot of the time. Oh, and you're doing two things I noticed good communicators and, and coaches do. You'll, say, you'll compliment the thing I'm saying. You'll, tell, you'll, you'll find a good compliment, which I'll take all the time. Uh, I'll take, look, I just went for a jog in uh, Boys Town area over here on Sunday so I could get whistled at because I needed a little ego lift. <laughs> Wait, what do you mean by whistled out? Like by women, you mean? No, by do, gay bars. <laughs> oh, cool. I'll run in the gay part of town just to get a little whistle. You know, it makes me feel good. <laughs> but so you, uh, so I'll take compliments anyway. I get them, but uh, respect. But yeah, but you do the you do the thing where you'll fi- you'll. I noticed Mark Garagos, power attorney, does this too. When I hear him, he'll he'll bring. That's a good question, or th- that raises a good point. Makes the other person feel really good. And then you also reiterate my name as you're answering. Is are those tactics or the, is that just natural? Yeah, so they're definitely techniques, but I, I I do them so many times that it just becomes natural, just right. in my subconscious. But let, I'll add more flavor. So one on the name, you know, Dale Carnegie says it so well: the sweetest sound to a person's ear is the sound of their own name. So that's why, and, and your name is really easy to pronounce, so law. So yeah, so it's simple. I actually I can see maybe I'm sure somebody's talked about it before. No, I can see why your dad named you Law because he was a lawyer. See, so like so now you're Law. Well, he, he's Larry, and I'm the junior. Um, and you can't going by Lawrence is a little too regal and Larry, uh, under the age of 50 right now is probably not, not a cool name. That's true. <laughs> uh, and Respect. then my, my son's the third and we call him trip. Uh, so, so oh, he's also Larry. Well, he's, yeah, he's the third. So he's, I always like the Southern guys, I, not Trey, like a three pointer. I like trip Southern guys that are thirds go by that. So <laughs> I love it. I'm learning yeah. something new every day. So that's the, but the other piece though, law about the, about the compliments. So the compliment only works if it's meaningful. So, so if you just go like, so notice in this interview, I didn't just go, yeah, law, I really like your share, really good point. And I moved on. I didn't do that. So I said, Hey, the reason why I like your point is because you went into that direction in that direction. Like when you talked about stand-up comedy and I went, I went focalized on it. So the compliments need to be specific and meaningful. If they're not, eventually people will see through the BS and they won't think it's genuine anymore. Yeah. It, and it can dovetail. It dovetails into other things, but it has to be genuine is basically what you're saying. 
except the whistling thing, which I can respect as well. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, I'm very, uh, I try to be as transparent on the show and, um, you know, can't, sometimes I need a little pick me up. Uh, hey, we all do. We all do, man. From different sources, from different places. Look, it's not like I get whistled at when I'm doing stand-up or in a business meeting. So where am I going to get it? <laughs> I just like that it, that exists. You know, it used to be a construction worker thing. Uh, <laughs> I, but it. I, I was I was jogging around town. And I was gonna I was like I'm gonna make this long jog, and I was like, ooh, I'm gonna I'm gonna run by our version of Bourbon Street, which is Seventh uh, Avenue here, and I was like. Let's see if the gays are out. They'll give me some love. Um, well, I, I run by. I filmed it. It's on my Instagram. Um, anything, we, we keep these uh, these pretty quick uh, as far as we try to keep it around 30 minutes. Yeah, yeah I got to drop in four minutes anyway. So, we're... Well, I've been stuttering and stammering, so you've probably been auditing that the whole time. I probably sound like the Chris Farley show sketch where it's like, oh, Paul McCartney, you were in the Beatles? Is that cool? Um what what advice can you give those out there? You know, hit up your YouTube channel, subscribe to that. You do you have very you know sometimes we have guests on that have YouTube channels, and I listen to some of the videos. And I'm like, who is this for? But it, it definitely yours are very well um, well thought out. It, it it definitely looks like you put a lot of love into it and really put some time into thinking of the people who are listening to them because it's not just long and drawn out, right? Um, any, any advice you can give our listeners out there that are on the fence about maybe contacting you, watching your videos or, or what? Cause I'm sure there's a psychological hurdle that I'm sure you have a term for it, but I don't know what it is for people to kind of get over the hump of just even asking for help. For, for sure. Law. You know, for me, it always starts with, you know, start with the random word exercise. Just practice on your own. Build build the momentum and your skill set. And then when you start to feel that fire, you're like, yeah, I really want to take my game seriously. Then the next step with us would just be attending one of our free workshops. So we do like a free training where it's like a Zoom call and there's like 50 people on it and we just do a free workshop and it's a lot of fun. So if you want to jump on that, just go to rockstarcommunicator.com and you could just attend that. And you could be anybody. You don't have to be an executive. Can I jump in and just uh, tell like two minutes of dirty jokes and then bounce? <laughs> Probably not, but with no, you. No, I wouldn't do that. You, no. With you, maybe I'll make an exception. I don't, I don't for... fuck with people's wallet like that. Not that you know. <laughs> um, but I, as much as I'd love to, I'd love to bomb it and just come in and just say the crassest joke I have. Uh, all right. I appreciate you coming on. Sorry, this we'll have to have you back on when uh, we're at uh, full steam with both Eric and I in our, in our studio. But this is great, um, and I'm uh, I subscribe to the YouTube channel. So everybody that's a big should. win. I'll take that as a big win. Thanks, Ash. Hell yeah, I'll watch it. I'm 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 unprofessional, as you probably uh, ascertained this whole time. Hey, you have the success. I mean, you're a fractional CMO, so the results speak for themselves. Well, I've got, as my orthodontist said, I have big teeth and a little mouth, so it makes me mumble, uh, and it doesn't. That doesn't help the actual uh, the actual articulation of things. But who cares? All go. right, appreciate it, buddy. Have a good one. You too, man. Thanks, bro.